We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Tuesday, the 16th day of August, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. And for the second time this week, Pavel. Gentlemen, it is good to see you both again. Pavel, let's start with you. How are you? You got some new equipment. Well, yeah, the sun is shining. I have a brand new microphone that's reflecting it right now. It still is shiny and hopefully I sound better. So things are getting things are getting better and better every day. Very good. And we're happy to have you in high definition quality. Wait till you hear this one when, when it finally finishes. Oh, I, yeah. I hope I finally sound like a decent human being for once. Ah, uh, you're good. You're good. Bruce, how are you? How was your weekend? Uh, healthy and alive. Uh, weekend went well. Uh, relatively busy um, for for here. The housemates decided to sell some furniture, so there was a lot of moving stuff around and unpacking. And Oh, I see. Yeah. I yeah. see. Well, it's good to see you. And we had a great time on Friday night. We went golfing, didn't we? We did. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was actually pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. Had a great I've time. I've never, I have, I have never played golf, big, big golf. I, I like miniature golf. I, I, I'm i scared for some reason. I just don't feel like I fit in on a golf course. Which I don't know why. It's maybe it's my personality. I feel like I'll say something and everybody will be like, shh. And they, there's the loud Russian guy again. I'm trying to stay free from that. <laughs> no, I understand that. I understand that all too well. I guess we'll start with uh, with Trump uh, and the Trump raid. Why not, right? Because more's coming out about it. Trump says that the FBI took his passport in the Mar-a-Lago raid. Why would you take his passport? Now, I understand. I'm actually holding my U.S. passport right here in my hands. And you gentlemen can clearly see this. This is this is a U.S. passport. Yes, you, you can clearly see this. Yes, passport absolutely. United States yep. of America. And you can see that clearly this is me, right? Is it not? This is me. Yeah. It seems so. Yeah. Yeah. This is me. Uh, and it does say in here that... Uh, it you lost some weight, John. Yeah. <laughs> it does say here, it is unlawful for any person other than the original lawful recipient to use this passport. Use of this passport in contravention of the US, of the passport regulations or the conditions or restrictions that set out in the passport or for travel to countries where a U.S. passport is not valid is a felony. Huh. So taking, this pass taking it away is a felony. Ah, well, yeah, it gets into this right here. It says here at the bottom, U.S. government property. This passport is the property of the United States. It must be. This is under Title 22, Code of Federal Regulations, Section 51, Subsection 9, if you want to look it up. It must be surrendered upon demand made by an authorized representative of the United States government. I don't think that even covers a warrant, does it? You have to have a judge. Like no, you have to have a judge say before court, in the courtroom, in a hearing, you are ordered to surrender your passport for fear of you having assets and holdings outside of the United States. So in order for us to ensure that you don't leave the country, you're going to have to surrender your U.S. passport. That's usually a condition of bail. You don't have the FBI, which, pardon me, Pavel, it's the modern version of the Russian KGB in the United States. You don't oh, have they're, these they're people. Getting, 
Yeah, they're getting on. nearly as corrupt. Yeah, they're getting close. Yeah, good oh, analogy. Yeah. They're getting nearly as corrupt, it seems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't have thugs from the federal government go and kick your door in at, look, when did they do this? Like 6.30 in the morning? Something like that? And steal your passport. Yeah. Steal. He wasn't even there. At, no, he at, wasn't. At the resident. He was in New York. But you passport. On top of that. It's in, in, yeah, go on. It's everything. It's the most important form of ID. And obviously it, it prevents traveling. But 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 being a, just having more than one form of ID is sometimes crucial. It is. It is. Also, and uh, this is a federal ID technically as in like it, it is valid everywhere you go. So it's valid in foreign countries. It's valid in the United States as a form of ID. I mean, uh, I've got European forms of ID because obviously I'm, I'm in Europe at the moment. But when I go back to the States, I don't have any identification for, say, like the state of Ohio or uh, any other state or anything like that. And we don't have federal IDs in the U.S. This would qualify as one. So I have to use my U.S. passport as my ID when I'm in the U.S. and it's accepted everywhere. Sorry, Bruce, go ahead. Just to clarify, the FBI didn't steal just one of his passports. They stole three. So he had oh. one that was expired. He had uh -huh. one as a civilian, so a blue oh, yeah, passport. I've got an, I've got and an then his red around. passport, which is the diplomat. Uh, yeah, because diplomatic passport. As president, yeah. you would have been, yeah, you would have been given a diplomatic yeah. passport. Um, I've got an expired what? one around here. And they actually told me when I, when I got mine renewed, when I was at the embassy, they actually told me, do not get rid of your old passport. Keep it. Even though it's not valid and, you know, they punch it to where it's, you know, it's not usable any longer. They say, keep it just in case something goes wrong. If you lose your current one, you can send us copies of your old one so we can verify that that's you and have all of your information already on file. But your passport is the most important document you can have. Like I remember, you know, in Russia, Soviet Union, not a lot of people even counted as a citizen technically. So getting a passport and having a piece of paper with your name and maybe even a photograph is, is something that families, you know, celebrate it. In the United States, becoming a citizen of this country, Probably, you know, greatest thing that ever happened to me it gave me a new home, an alternative to a really horrible, you know, potentially really horrible life. I value my passport and, and I keep it in a hidden place. And if somebody took away my passport, they, they're taking away my face. They're taking away the statement that I'm an equal citizen or or belong to this country at all. What is the reason to take somebody's passport other than preventing them from traveling other than making their life more difficult. What evidence could Donald Trump have in his passport that say that, you know, he's about to steal nuclear lunch codes or, or any of that other garbage? What's the point behind that? Well, I mean, uh, they're trying to make a statement, I think, is what's going on. They're, they're basically saying, don't get outside of the box that we've created for you, because uh, that, that's what Trump was. If you look at all Republicans before him, right? Uh, they all fit within a certain box and they played with inside that box. Trump was, he basically was like, to hell with the box. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, he was blowing out the walls on the box. Um, and not only blowing out the walls on his box, but he was blowing out the walls on their boxes, revealing the corruption behind uh, the walls there. So I, I don't know whether that was intentional or unintentional. It doesn't matter. The fact is, he was well, as he was in there, he was showing how corrupt our system really is. Right. And, and it, he wasn't able to drain it, like he said. But I don't think he realized how deep the corruption goes. What I see, I, what I feel like, is for the first time, somebody who not just acted outside the box, he didn't belong to the box in the first place. He was like an outsider that got in. And he has ties to what seems like the main enemy or the, you know, who's supposed to look like the main enemy of the United States. You know, he, he, there's a Trump tower in Moscow. Trump wanted to not 
diminish the United States, but at least make relations so the war would not happen, let's say. Or um, anyone who has ties to the outside of the United States and comes in and wants to be, you know, in politics will be under a lot of pressure. And Trump made it all the way to the top, you know, coming from a totally different uh, background than a lot of these other politicians. And what happened? He got investigated, got impeached, you know, for not, not actually for any good reasons or reasons that were proven to be right. So this is just, in my eyes, bullying and pushing out the one and the only person that did not go along with their agenda. And he made it public and he got away with it and they're pissed. You know, there was a um, audio recording that we heard. It was after Trump took office, but this is when the whole thing popped up where he called Zelensky. This is before the Russia-Ukraine thing. But he called Zelensky and was asking about all the corruption that was going on in there because the Democrats and everybody under the Obama administration, they set up that money laundering network over there within the Ukrainian banking system and the government. And... We actually heard a phone call when we were doing our research, or it wasn't, I'm sorry, it wasn't a phone call. It was a conversation of the head of the Ukrainian anti-corruption department. <laughs> you notice I'm doing the air quotes, anti-corruption <laughs> department, which was that, somebody- that's an that was, oxymoron. Yeah, right. Which was, which was a guy that was put in by uh, the Obama administration, and he was the direct line to the Obama administration. He was recorded in a private conversation, and this recording's out there. I mean, this is not a secret. He was recorded in a, in a private conversation with another Ukrainian oligarch, and they were talking about Hillary Clinton, the Obama administration, and Trump. And when they got to the part about Trump, and, and I'm not defending the guy here, believe me, I've done enough to kick this guy's teeth in, so to speak, politically, for the last year or so. I mean, I've got my own issues with the guy. But they were saying at that private conversation, I believe it was actually at the dinner table. I don't know how anybody got that conversation. That's not my business. I don't want to know. But they were saying Trump. Okay, so what is he? The, the, uh, the other guy was asking uh, the head of the um, anti-corruption department in Ukraine. So what about this Trump guy? What, what's the problem here? Is this guy going to be an issue? And the guy from the corruption, uh, the anti-corruption department, uh, Artem Sitnik, I think was his name, if I remember right. And he said he's a nobody. He's just he's a guy that's in the way. Um, he, he really doesn't have any connection to what we're dealing with. And we have no business dealings with that whatsoever. Uh, we're dealing with another faction and we're, we're not really we're not involved with that. And that was it. If that would have come out in the mainstream media, all of that stuff, all of that collusion and everything else that was going on, all of that would have died immediately. Right away. Immediately. Yeah. Yes, sir. And, and I want to make this point. Having international connections should not be looked at as a bad thing. It's that, that's the whole, whole point of diplomacy. The whole point of having embassies is to establish international friendships, connections, to go over there, to be friends with the other president, to shake their hands, obviously not to diminish your own country, not to, you know, let anybody else in. If you see somebody who has business relations in another country, that's one thing. I don't think Trump and Putin were invested into the same things together. They were just on better terms than enemies, which is, seems to be like the standard standard default, you know, um, stance. You, you must be the enemy with Russia no matter what. And I don't think Trump went with that agenda. He just, like any normal person, I think he just decided like, hey, we're not going to mess with you, not going to mess with us, and maybe eventually we can even work together, which is what it should be. If they're not shooting at you, that's what should come to your mind. Uh, I want to point out the uh, the department you were talking about, the anti-corruption department. That was created by the behest 
of the Obama administration. It was. Yeah, uh, I so. forgot about that. They, they created yeah. that. And they're like, oh, you got a lot of corruption in there. We're going to establish this and we're going to deal with that and we're going to help you with that. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Same thing as, as the Soviet Union. The anti-corruption department always makes sure everything is stolen so quickly by them that there's just nothing left to steal. So there's no corruption. <laughs> that is right. That's right. And, you know, they they bring up uh, they bring up those points within all of that agenda that uh, that was going on with Trump and the media. The media was this is at the height of that whole uh, Trump Russia uh, dossier thing that they had going, which was that that cooked up piece of nonsense. that They took to the illegal FISA court 17 times. They took it to the FISA courts 17 times before they would finally sign off on it. But every time Trump would go to one of these, I don't know, like the G20 or, or whatever it was, you know, where all the world leaders get together. The summits, the summits. Yeah, the yeah. Su- exactly. Yeah, the summits. He would be over there and he would shake hands with all the other world leaders and and the media would only catch him shaking hands with Putin and say they would say, look, 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 see, he's he's colluding with with Russia. He's colluding with Putin. And it's exactly as you say, you want to have that diplomatic relationship. You, you don't want to have like a, a rigid thing going on between two nations, especially two nuclear superpowers like that. You don't want to have that. Yeah. As a citizen, I would feel safer seeing that. Not angry. I'm I've been seeing a lot of anger in the United States, just talking, you know, I, I was never afraid before in my life to mention that I'm Russian or from Russia. And, and the, like I said, the funny thing is they hate me because of the Ukraine war and, and my family's from Donetsk. That's really where I come from. It's, it's being born in Florida, you know, versus right next to it, Texas, whatever. It's, it's not, it's the people are the same. We're all the same. We, we might have a different, little bit of a different dialect, but you know, how different is, you know, English in, in Alabama versus Massachusetts. Same thing. Russian and Ukrainian were not two different languages. They were just sl- two slight dialects of the same language. And the super ultra nationalist Ukrainian government basically created a whole language of a dialect that w- was never there before. The history is not black and white, like I said, but the, the bigger point is that things are being done for profit and not for the people. In the United States now, not just Ukraine, like the things that are happening in Ukraine and the things that are, you know, supposedly we're against and we're trying to support, make sure they're not happening over there. They're happening right over here. They're just over there is where they're laundering the money. Over here is where they're stealing it or taking it or creating it. Whatever they're doing, it has nothing to do with your actual effort and how much money you should earn. You know, I, I said something in prep uh, since you're, you're talking about that and, you know, the Russia-Ukraine thing. I, I said something in prep. I said, what's happening over there is... I, quite frankly, it's disgusting what these these organizations have done. Uh, and these contractors, weapons contractors, uh, defense departments, these governments arming everything over there. It's like they're they're just they're fueling what's going on. And you've got both sides that are that that are pushing for their different agendas in there. And it's like, hang on a minute, you've literally created it's a Slavic civil war. You seem to agree with that statement. I mean, that was the best I could come up with off the top of my head. And it's like, like it's it's disgusting what's going on over there, what they've created. Number one, first strategy of any conflict, divide and conquer. In order to take over your enemy, in order to invade, first, you got to get ready for it. If you have an opportunity, you have Russian people fighting Russian people. Basically, it's 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 a Slavic, as you said, it's a Slavic civil war. Not a lot of people even know what's, you know, what what is what it what it really means to be Slavic, and then just you know, it literally means being from that part of the world. It is a civil war that is one hundred percent engineered and implemented by people that have nothing to do with the conflict. 
look back in the history, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, when did people stop declaring the wars themselves? Basically, what I'm saying is if my village, if my tribe has a problem with the tribe, you know, over there because they're doing something to us, it's our decision to go over there. We are the ones that are suffering because of them. American people are not suffering because of Ukrainians or because of Russians. They're suffering because of the war that is engineered in order to make the Ukrainians, the Russians, and the Americans suffer. People are paying for things they do not want to do. Who? I mean, how many Americans have even been to Ukraine? How many people want to pay for it? How many people even want to waste their time thinking about it? Nobody wants the war. Ask any normal person that makes, you know, uh, let's say middle class and, and, and below. Nobody wants a war because they have no investment. Our investment is in our health, in our families, in our future, in our succession, in our lives, in our happiness. That is what the human investment is. Anybody who invests in other people's lives and material value to such degree is no longer the same species. They're they cut themselves off from us. We are no longer living, feeling humans. We are just objects, objects that need to be controlled for the only reason we're not all killed off is because they're scared of the majority. That's how I feel. You know, you say that uh, nobody wants a war. Well, these people at the top do. They certainly do. Right. Because it serves right. their But interest. they're not part of us. No, yeah, no, they're not. It's, but it's interesting. You you say that uh, if you ask the average person, and uh, we were also discussing this in, in prep, and I said, you know, I see these people that are out there that are holding up the uh, the four Ukraine signs or whatever, you know, the ones that usually have their mask on and they've got their vaccine passport with them, that type I bet you if you showed a lot of these people a blank map of Eastern Europe or even the Euro let's just go the Eurasian landmass, they wouldn't even be able to find it on a map, would they? I doubt they would be able to, you know, find even where Europe is, even where the United States is. They, they have point, no yeah. idea. They have no idea about anything, what is going on, going on over there or the people or, or any point at all besides what they see on TV, which is specifically designed for you to, you know, not like something. I'll say this again. The average presidential speech and the, the average age and the level of education that it gets tailored to went from a high school graduate to now a seventh degree level. Making opinions about things you have no idea about is like the trendiest, focused thing in the world now. I mean, people believe that you can just read or hear a couple of sound bites, read a couple of bullet points, and, and you're now you're not an expert, but even you have a point to argue about. You do not. You have no idea about anything that is going on unless you personally research, find the people, get the information. What I do when I look into any topic, I, I try to do this as hard as I can, is I try to find arguments on both sides. I try to see what their point. I see none of that. I see nothing objective going on in the United States. I see people knowing that they're not knowing everything, yet still going with the agenda because it seems like that's what the crowd is doing. And that is that that that's it. That that's the that's the Nazi mentality. You know, I, I've talked to a gentleman not too long ago in the United States, and he, you know, it was obvious he knows nothing about Russia or Ukraine, but his statement was that I was raised to hate Russia. You know, I was just raised to be that way, and that that was just a statement. And that's the first time I've ever heard of that. And I think the guy's just an idiot because he has no idea. He doesn't want war either. He's he's probably never seen real war. Point being is the anger is there. The government, the you know whoever's up there, they know that the anger is there. They know that it's building up. And if you don't point that anger in a particular direction, that anger is eventually going to find its way to the source, to the real source. The problem being the source of everybody's pain is that eventually it will get traced down to you. So your entire job is 
pretty much not enjoying life. It's just escaping the retribution, escaping the justice, escaping the truth being out there. Soon enough, the walls, I'm a f- I am I fear the walls are going to be so thick. Soon enough between us, us and them that it's not even going to matter anymore. Um, once again, the only way out of this is common sense. A little bit of self-education, a little bit of research, a little bit of meditation. Take care of yourself so you can take care of yours so they can take care of your community, your neighborhood. Spread love, positivity, you know, not this just anger and ignorance. Learn a few things before you speak about them. It, it's, you know, as... As we talked in, in prep, John, you know, the, the funny, you know, the funny little question show. Yeah, go ahead. Expand on that a little bit. No, no, I was I was, I was letting you go. Um, did you want to get into education? Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it seems like we're going that way. What do, yeah. you, what do you think? Yeah. Well, no, I, I think it's okay because uh, we were talking about the, uh, the issues of uh, political agendas and knowledge of people, actually a lack of knowledge that people have right. on those things. And it's because they don't look at things objectively as you're talking about they're looking at things subjectively and there's no room right. for the truth in a subjective reality so they have to go yeah. with whatever the line is and that's what the institutions teach them is you're going to follow this subjective truth but you're going to dismiss an objective reality they're training everything 100% of your cognitive experience in your life and and everybody's you know what you see what you understand is based on what you learned when you were younger, when you were a child, when you were developing. If you never developed speech, if nobody ever taught you language, you won't be much smarter than a dog. It's that there are feral kids. I, you know, when I was in, in college, I, I studied early development. I studied, you know, what happens to feral feral children that never learn a language. They do not become human. So if you start at a very early age developing a person that looks at themselves as a winner. You know, as the kind of a person that already knows everything, as the kind of a person that is so sure of themselves that they consciously do not choose to do the research because they're so self-assured already that they feel there's no need. There's so many funny shows online, you know, random college students being asked simple questions. And, and like I mentioned in prep, that this one is my favorite. Um, This lady was asked for $100 cash. In what country is Venice, Italy located? The lady said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a teacher. I should know this. You know, Venice, Italy is most likely in Paris, she says. And she, she did not get the $100 because Venice, Italy is in fact in Italy. That's where Venice is. People don't pay attention. Another common question is, who was the first person to land on the sun? Now, we're talking about people with 14 plus years of education in their life, public institutionalized education. These are college students. This, these are the future of us, the best of the brightest, of the highest, highest of the, you know, number one country in the world. And they still don't know who is the first person on the sun. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. You mean the moon? Oh, no, I mean the sun. That's you mean the sun? They, they, <laughs> they yeah, no, literally, the that, that's the question. The who was the first person on the sun? Yeah. Oh my God. It was no one. No, no one's ever been there. Oh my God. You know, I, I look at yeah. things like those Mark Dice videos. I don't know if you've ever seen those, or if you're familiar with him. He's a YouTube guy and he goes out there on the streets with a microphone. I mean, that's that's all he does is he, well, he speaks at city council meetings from time to time, but he goes out on the street and he asks these people, these, uh, these questions, Bruce, should I pull the triceratops? <laughs> Please pull do. The triceratops? Yeah. yeah. If you have it accessible, sure. Yeah. Hang on. This is just to give you an idea of the kind of people that we're we're dealing with here. Now, these are just average people on the street. Again, this is this is Mark Dice. This is up on his YouTube page. Anybody can go and see this. This is not a joke. 
These are not people that are paid to go along with something just because it's funny or whatever. This is really sad to to watch and to hear. Everybody knows, regardless of your political affiliations, because this one is not about politics, everybody should know that a Triceratops dinosaur is extinct. Everybody should know that. This is him going around asking people if we should ban hunting of the Triceratops. Are you an animal lover? We're trying to save the Triceratops. A lot of people out there, Joe Rogan just killed one, and we're trying to stop them from hunting them. We're just adding them to the endangered species list. So just uh, name, birth, and a signature to help to support the cause, please. Just, uh, you know, a lot of these big game hunters are out there killing them for a sport. Uh, Prince, birthday, and a signature. Joe Rogan just killed one, and a lot of like a lot of these celebrity hunters go out there. Say anything here about it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Triceratops to endangered species. Joe Rogan just killed one just for fun. He's gonna hang the head in his office, and a lot of these big game hunters are out there and she killing the Triceratops it. just for for sport. And so. Oh, you don't have to. Oh shoot. Yeah, birthday. Uh, yeah, uh, signature there too. Yeah, so. Adding the Triceratops on the endangered species list will, you know, help preserve the ones that are left. I'm all about saving the animals. Saving the animals. I'm vegetarian. Oh, you're a vegetarian. Yes. Thank you. You know, there's not really that many of them around anymore, the Triceratops, and so adding them to the endangered species list will stop people from hunting the uh, these people the Triceratops. people like Ted Nugent out there trying to you know trying to get a trophy kill uh, so we're gonna stop that all right thank you sir you I mean it would be one thing if people were hunting the Triceratops for food but these people are hunting them just for fun and so we're gonna have to add them to the endangered species list to make sure that nobody can get a permit to go and kill anymore okay so you get the idea that was so hard to watch I mean, it's, I, I didn't know if I should laugh, laugh or cry. That's, uh, the, the, the problem is, is that wasn't even just college, uh, age groups. Those were, some of those were older than college. Like, uh, they, oh, yeah, they, and it goes just on. average people on the street. It, it like, goes it, on. It, it, and that. Could you do this in, in any other country in the world? I mean, I, I, I don't, could you do this in Canada? Could you do this in Germany? I honestly, I, I, I don't think, so. maybe, maybe I, I don't, I don't think so. Way less of a success, anyways. Way less of a success. Uh, it's, I think it's, it would be well, less of a success. Yeah. The the, the Triceratops. I mean, just, I can't, I can't even pronounce the word. But I mean, maybe people are thinking of some sort of a rhino or this or that. But then I see the T-shirt and that killed it for me. I mean, the guy. He, he's not really. He's not being evil. You know, he's not using a fancy word that people might mistake. You know, for something. I mean, it, it's at, as soon as I saw the T-shirt, I was like, okay, this is legitimate. There you do. It's, it's like a disease. I don't understand it. I'm sure those people know what a, what a dinosaur is. I'm sure they know they, they're extinct. Which part of their brain? Yeah, they, wait. <laughs> they see Jurassic Park about, and they think that, <laughs> they think that it's, yeah. it's real. A lot of people think movies are real, I feel like. You know, and we're, we're going back to worshiping demigods. All the, all the superheroes, they're just demigods. Everything takes away our attention so much, you know, even in the Bible, it's, it said something like once you worship, start worshiping other gods, you know, you'll, you'll go to hell, whatever. I bet they know who the, um, I don't know, whatever Will Smith plays in whatever one of those movies or pick, pick an actor, you know, I'm sure they know every character of uh, Iron Man, whatever it is. You can tell my knowledge base of, you know, movies is not that great, especially maybe those ones specifically. It's what you watch. It's what you eat. It's, it's, it's what you know. And it's what you become. If you choose to eat 
poorly, if you choose to watch junk, if you choose not to learn, that's what your life becomes. And you don't know why you feel like crap and you don't know why you're depressed and angry. You're doing everything that's around, you know, that's the same thing everybody around you is doing. Like I said already, if you make misery a norm, if you rewrite the definition of happiness, if you rewrite the definition of norm, um, people will blindly accept that they're happy, even though they know they're suffering. Big Brother, I mean, 1984 had it somewhat, but I mean, I it's going to be so much crazier than just Big Brother. It's 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 going to be like you're watching yourself. You know what I mean? Who can kill the top gangster? Only he can kill himself. Same thing with population. Who, who can kill the people? Only they can do it themselves. You know, and I think with that, I think we can, uh, I think we can kind of segue here into the other topic that we wanted to discuss. Uh, there's a new video out today by the World Economic Forum, and these are topics that the two of you like to get into. Bruce, you and I do our digital dark age stuff every now and again. Uh, Pavel, you've got deep insights into this uh, social credit and merging of humans and technology kind of stuff, and and everything as far as like uh, the evil side of and dark side of tech and all that stuff. So uh, this is a new video that is out as I said today, by the World Economic Forum on the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Uh, and I do apologize that uh, the listener cannot see this, but if you are subscribed to us on Telegram, then you can see the video there. And of course, you can go probably straight to their website and get it. That's where we got it. But this is what they're promoting now. The very idea of human being some sort of natural concept is really going to change. Our bodies will be so high tech, we won't be able to really distinguish between what's natural and what's artificial. Inside our own heads is the most complex arrangement of matter in the known universe. You might ask yourself, can we get to be superhumans? industrial revolution wow i can already make some comments yeah go ahead because that right there oh. that looks like something straight out of a sci-fi horror movie horror movie and and it's and it's an oxymoron right away what they're saying is this soon enough we'll be so high tech our bodies will be so high tech humans will no longer be seen as a natural being however right after that, they say that inside our heads is already the most complex you know um arrangement of matter in the entire universe your body is already the highest tech on this planet. There's nothing smarter, more adaptable, more versatile than you, your body. You know, if you're planning to become this high tech being that's no longer a human, I mean, I can see replacing, you know, lost limbs. I can see maybe, you know, even, even some sort of a brain mods that will help you be better. Do not try to escape being a human. Try to be a better human. And, and I think that if we really want to be a superhuman, we can't do it without the tech. Our minds are so, so unpracticed. There's so much lost knowledge in how to develop um, even, even what is called the third eye. You know, I believe that things that are written in old text, things that, things that we, you know, attribute to magic are, are just possibly, you know, some sort of a brain development. Maybe we can be even psychic. Who knows what humans are really capable of? And I don't think adding metal to your body will get you there any faster. It depends on the technology and whether or not it's uh, you can make the merge. So 
taking out my own biases on this and just looking at it from like um, science objectively, technically you could get something like telepathy or akin to it, uh, finger quotes, by having some kind of a brain implant that would allow communication wirelessly to one another. So for example, sending a text message. So as it stands, you send a text message where you have to look at your phone. But when you have that implant in your brain already, you're sending a text message to an, a text message to another person using your implant. So kind of telepathy, but it's not it's not the same, right? Because kind of what you're talking about is like, what if, what if it's something that inherently is we we possess and not something we have to add to us? But the the problem is this is a Pandora's box. This is this has been opened. Um, you know, the, the, they already took the lamp with the genie in it and rubbed the lamp. The genie's out of the bottle. Now you're not getting them back in the bottle. This isn't going to be stopped. Unfortunately, science fiction has been playing with this. I mean, look back at the eighties. What was it? Uh, uh, Robocop and, you know, then you had Terminator and like you, you, this has been in the, the, the human psyche for 20 plus years, 30 years. It's not going away. So the idea, as you said, uh, replacing a human's, uh, for example, you were in a car accident, you lost your leg or your arm or something, and you can replace that now w with cybernetics. And the thing is, is the cybernetics that we currently have, the ones that they're experimenting with, they actually have uh, sensors for vibration, temperature, pressure, um, you know, so you could hook it up to your nervous system and approximate what your uh, fleshy body uh, produces, you know, as far as sensations with machine you you can already kind of do that it's in testing phases the thing is is as technology continues to grow we're going down this road this is an inevitable thing unfortunately it's going to happen and and, and unfortunately i don't i don't see a way with the the way societies think currently the west thinks currently i don't see a way of pulling out of it in the sense of for example, let, let's say they produce this product. Let's say Elon Musk does his thing and the, the competitor company, they, they produce their Neuralink. Okay? Um, let's say it augments, uh, it, it improves memory. It allows you to access things like the internet instantaneously in your mind and instantly grab information. You can, you can essentially download information instantaneously. Now, here's the problem. As a normal person, someone that doesn't have that augment, Let's say a business hires you and you're competing with someone else that has that augment. Um, you're less likely to advance in the company or even be hired in the company if you don't have that augment, you know, if they, they make that a requirement. So in, in the future, it's going to be very difficult for those of us that are not augmented to survive in the average, you know, in, in everyday life. I mean, because then you could get into, OK, well, that means that would restrict me to, you know, more of the less skilled labor, you know, manual labor, that kind of stuff. No, you would be outplayed in the in the manual labor department as well, because if someone is augmented uh, to have uh, cybernetic legs, arms, back, those kind of things, they can lift far more than what you could lift and not become tired. So why would a company want to hire you? So what it boils down to is we're going to end up replacing the, the, the human populace with machines as far as in the manufacturing world, um, in the business world. The only place that humans can uh, really right now, they can't be replaced is things like uh, music, which is that that's dying quickly because there's AI that can do that. Art. Uh, well, unfortunately, AI is starting to do art now as well. But creativity as it stands is our only bastion at this time. But AI is making uh, quick, 
uh, grounds in that area. So uh, emotions. I, honestly, we still have empathy. Uh, empathy. Well, that's true. I, everything you say, I totally agree with you. With you cannot stop the tech train. You're not. You cannot stop augmentation. What I can believe is you can do is you can educate people in this sort of matter. Now, let's say I get something like you said, you know, that sort of a chip in my brain that lets me, you know, send texts that kind of approximates having its left. That's just the glorified cell phone in my head. There's nothing new. Yep. I just literally take something I can do with my hands. And now I, I still have to do something. It's not automatic. I still have to somehow use my brain to activate it. So that's nothing new. You're not adding some sort of a new organ. You're not getting a new perception. You're not being able to see more colors. You're not getting any better. What it is, is becoming more convenient for you to use their tech. Now, think about this. I've I've gotten out of my mind that I almost throwing my cell phones away, just catching myself being stuck in Facebook, being stuck. Oh my God, I'm on this freaking phone again first thing in the morning. Imagine if that's in your head and you can't throw it out. Imagine if you know that you cannot control yourself from the infinite scroll and now it's in your head forever, you're going to kill yourself. I see, you know, people get a small surgery to replace their gender and that already messes with them enough to kill themselves. Once a person yeah. has a video game that's stuck inside their head and, and they have the free will to play it or not, same same way they they have it now, except for it is much easier now to say no because your mom can watch you play it. Because somebody can take away your computer. Somebody can you know shut your power down. Once that's in your head and you find yourself being stuck on that infinite scroll forever, man, that's that's not the kind of augmentics I'm talking about. You know, yeah, you know, I I'm actually I'm not against. The kind of things like Bruce was talking about and the things like you're talking about. I, I think the advancements that we have in areas of like medicine and things like that, that can really change people's lives and extend people's lives for the better. So, for example, somebody's born with, I don't know, a, a birth defect and they don't have like, oh, I don't know, a right arm or something. You can put a cybernetic implant on that'll replace that and it will give that person a full and normal life, more or less with that cybernetic implant. Or for example, if someone is blind and they can't see, if we can do something with this neural link type thing and we can allow that person to see, or if we have some type of optical implant that we can achieve at some point and allow people, blind people to see, these are fantastic achievements that can be done. And I think the first iteration of that that you're going to see, at least on the optical side of things, and I read about this, I want to say it was like seven, eight years ago, something like that. Samsung, right? Everybody knows Samsung, you know, the company that makes the phones and the TVs and the refrigerators and all that stuff. They actually patented the HUD technology, the heads up technology, the heads up display, the heads up stuff. So like what you see in a car as you're driving down the road and it pops up onto your windscreen or your windshield, whatever you call it, wherever you're listening to us from, that technology was patented in contact lenses by Samsung. What you have now is like the Apple glasses or the Google glasses. Imagine that being in your eye, right? I wear contact lenses. I also wear glasses, but I mean, I wear contact lenses most of the time. I've got them in right now. But imagine, and this is a removable thing, so it's not like it would be stuck in there. So I mean, I, maybe I'm looking at it as like a hybrid of kind of like what you're talking about, because I never thought about the road you were going down where somebody puts it in their head, they've got the infinite scroll and they can't turn it off. They can't get it out of their head without you know, going in there and shoehorning that yeah. thing out of there. So I can imagine how that would drive somebody insane. But with this other one, imagine a heads up display. You're just walking along and all of a sudden it just pops up into your world that you're viewing, you know, reality that you're viewing that someone's calling you or someone sent you an email or uh, someone has sent you a text message or, or something. Imagine that. And then that's you know, amazing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that is a, a is a good step in the right direction. And it also furthers things as far as like um, this VR road that they want everybody to go down. That's not going to work. I, I don't care because the technology itself, as far as the VR stuff, just looking at the hardware side of things, it really hasn't progressed that much further than what it was in the, the late 1990s. Is in like you still got the, like this big clunky thing on your head that you've got to wear, and the first thing that comes on uh, the box is a warning label saying uh, this is probably going to make you sick, and you're probably going to uh, vomit into a bucket or something. I mean, I'm not trying to be graphic or anything, but that's just what they tell you. Oh, it's that's true. not what I want to hear. Ah, yeah, yeah, it's not what I want to hear uh, with all this stuff. GP and I were walking around in an electronics store over here. And he says, oh, let's go demo that. Let's go try that. We got to try that. It was one of those uh, Vive systems or Oculus systems or whatever it was. And it was like 800 bucks. And I said, man, I have no interest in that. None whatsoever. That's not what I want. I don't want this big clunky thing on my head and and these cords stretched all across the room. And I run into a wall. Bruce actually ran into a wall one day, I think. <laughs> That's I not what I want. not tested it yet. So. Oh, you have it. Okay. So it was I've GP had, that ran into a wall. Sorry. I've done it. I've had my go with one of those. Yeah. But, yeah, but my point is, is like the way that... This is billed to people. If we're going to go down this road, then it has to be something that people are going to accept, and it has to be something that's actually going to benefit people in a way that that, that it will be beneficial to them. So I think the augmented reality, AR, if you want to call it that, not VR, Microsoft tried to experiment with that with something called a HoloLens, but I think they canceled the project. I'm not sure. Uh, or they transitioned it into something else. Did they, Bruce? Yeah, they, they did. Uh, but I was just going to mention um, even augmented reality. It's already difficult enough to try to get a hold of me. Augmented reality, and I have it pop up on my screen. I'm going to have all those notifications shut off anyway, so it's going to be that's just true. as difficult to get a hold of that's, me. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, true, yeah. yeah. But I, no, I, but my point is, is that people will will accept it if it's part of something that they already know. If it's part of their world that they already have and they do on a day-to-day -day basis, then I think that would be a step in the right direction as opposed to what they want to do, which is take everybody out, put you in the metaverse, which is a fake reality, to distract you from the, the literal hell that they're creating with this stuff that we just watched in that video from the World Economic Forum. I think the population is already prepared and cultured and there, and is there to use such things, you know, you're talking about the lenses that let you have the HUD display. Sounds amazing to me. I would love to have one of those. What I see, though, is a lot of car accidents with people playing video games. Uh, there, Whatever tech is going to be out there, so far in the history of humanity, there's one pattern. It's not going to be used mostly for good or the best aspects of it are not going to be explored. It's mostly going to be advertised as a best way to, you know, play your Xbox uh, 17 or whatever it is. Um, as much as I want to believe that people are just, you know, all of a sudden choose to use this stuff, you know, to explore the world and have better lives. No, I, I don't believe it. It's just that's that's the, that's the next step from not having the bulky helmet. And then well, after that, they're going to put it right in your brain. Sorry, go ahead. Bruce. To kind of point on that, I, that's actually kind of something I was thinking about with the consumerism. Part of the problem with uh, augmenting a human Synthetic breaks down. Eventually, you're going to have to have that uh, eye implant or that brain implant or that arm. You're going to have to replace it because the servos are going to break down, the, you know, the, the pistons, whatever, whatever components are in there, they're going to break down because of wear. Because we don't engineer things precisely. We don't use the best quality materials um, as it stands. We design our stuff to break down within, you know, X amount of time. So you'll have to go in and get the newest, greatest um, implant or 
eye or arm, leg, whatever, whatever your implant is. So you'll have to keep up with the times and it'll just increase consumerism. And this will be even, it'll be even worse than this one. So before it was, we're keeping up with the Joneses, right? That, that, that's kind of the reason that, that there's consumerism. Now it's no longer, you're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. Now you're trying to keep your job. Now you're trying to keep your mobility in life. Now you're trying to, you know, have a normal life because you've augmented yourself now you have to continue upgrading the augments or you're going to lose a part of yourself. So that's part of the problem I have with going synthetic. If you go, if you continue with the organic, we already have a very effective self-repairing mechanism. Um, the, the things that we could do, if we could figure out what causes aging, like what, what the switch is in our gene that, that, you know, so until you're about 25 or so, that switch is off and you don't age. And then about at 25 years old, that switch gets turned on uh, in, in, in your genetic yeah, code. Yeah, it gives we you need a... To, we need to figure out what that is. Because if we can shut that off again, you could essentially cancel aging. And you could be perpetually 25 years old. Yeah, I just want to mention this, just a little background of what you're saying. From what I understand, what we have as humans, uh, eventually, it's sort of like a timer. It, we have a limited amount of replications. Every cell... After, like Bruce said, at some point of time, they get, that cell can replicate, renew itself only X amount of times. And when that number runs out, it's basically, you know, we run out. So if we can stop that defined replication model, if we can turn the replication to be infinite, you know, perhaps that is the key. I personally, I would be more apt for that than um, going in and getting augmented. Uh, mind you, uh, I, after, after this whole... Uh, COVID-19, after all of this has gone down, now you have a long road to convince me that your product that flips that switch actually works because now I don't trust this pharmaceutical industry. The industries that would produce this uh, gene-changing drug or even cybernetic, the, the people that create that, I don't trust you. I don't trust the product you're putting out there. No. So e even if we did come up with this technology, it would be another, you know, 15, 20 years before I even take a look at it in terms of for myself, I would be watching it to see what are the side effects? You know, what are you not telling us? What kind of lie are you telling us to get it pushed off and passed uh, the FDA approval or whatever, whoever you paid off and how many people are dying from your product now? That would be the kind of things I'm watching to your point as well. I don't see the people, the population using this technology for good. It's going to be exactly as, uh, as you said, it's going to be consumerism. It, that's all it's going to be. It's not really going to be, you're going to have those out there that are trying to improve people's lives, right? There, there are individuals out there that are doing that, but uh, uh, the majority of them, that that's not what their intention is going to be. The majority of them are going to be, uh, you got to keep up with the Joneses, that kind of a thing. Robert Malone, he invented mRNA for good. That's what he did. His reasoning behind it was for a good purpose. And look what it's turned into. This wouldn't be any different, would it? That's essentially like what you're saying. It's the people. See, it's not the product. It's not the gun that kills that kills the person. It's the person that pulls the trigger. See, the, the population, even if, even if they turn 100% around and just start dumping everything that's actually positive or good in the population, it still is going to take a lot of time for, for the people to not reject it. We're hooked. We're a addicted to this crap. We're addicted to these video games. We're addicted to the TV shows. We're addicted to all of it. And none of it is real. None of it. It's all made up. It doesn't even simulate reality well. It's the insanity, the, the entertainment insanity of our century. It's, it's maybe it's something that will eventually kill us. 
if they did produce a whole bunch of good products and just dumped it on the population, the maturity level, the intellectual level, the, 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 the place that society is at currently, they would find some way to use that improperly. Exactly. Um, they would they would find some way to, you know, get their high or whatever the case is uh, as it stands. And, and the thing is, is the people that are making these products are of the same society. They're in the same world. So they and would they're aware themselves. of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they're they aware know. of it. It's a chemical war. And, and here's the thing. This is it's this is exactly why it's a chemical, almost like a populate war of onto the population war. We the problem is we're addicted to very cheap and easy um, dopamine, serotonin in our brains. All the ads, all the scrolls, everything you see is is scientifically produced to increase the production of certain chemicals in your brains. A normal human receives that chemical from anything from sex to running to eating to surviving. We are used to receiving chemicals in our brains from something that's artificial. If you do that with mice, they will literally keep hitting that button until they're starved to death. We're a little bit more advanced, so we'll eventually, you know, shovel, get our way to McDonald's and back somehow. But it's the chemical. It's the, the major idea. It's like this mass drug that everyone's addicted to. And it makes you produce the most basic chemical of happiness. Why would I want to do anything if I can just watch a movie that'll make me laugh? Well, at the same time, I would also point out that there have been people that have died of dehydration and starvation from... Ooh playing too many video games and oh, not yeah. breaking to go and, you know, hydrate. Also and, lack of sleep. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll be sleep, on the game yeah. for like three or four days straight. And it's like, I mean, you will die if you don't have sleep. Your body will just go into shock and you will die. What is? Some of those instances, is, though, some of the reasons that that happened. Uh, so many of the ones I read about happened in China. And it just so happens that some of those individuals were being forced to, as we know them uh -huh. in the video game world, farm gold. And yeah. that's what they were doing. They were farmers and some of them playing World of Warcraft. Yeah. yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading about that. So here's here's my question. I want to I want to go to a point you made earlier, Pavel. And, you know, we're getting kind of close to time here, but we, we've got, I okay. don't know, five to ten minutes. But the point you made earlier was you see the walls possibly getting thicker, as in you've got the upper class or the political class, the elite class, whatever you want to call them, or financial class. It doesn't really matter. But those groups of people that are making everybody else's lives hell. As these agendas continue on, no matter what it is, whether it's physical conflict, such as what you've got going on in Eastern Europe or, or with Russia, or if you've got this COVID agenda, or if you've got this uh, this other thing that we're now transitioning to, this uh, this fourth industrial revolution, like the, the video that we played, they're trying to augment humans. As we're going down this road, and to Bruce's point, to kind of tie all this together, you've got the point that you're talking about, Pavel, you've got the point you're talking about, Bruce, where you've got the divide, and you've also got the lack of trust. And that lack of trust with each passing day is growing. As we continue down this path of segregation and splitting people and, and creating political agendas to divide and conquer, they lose more and more credibility each day. So when you turn back to this implants and, and augmentations and all that stuff, I see it going the way that Bruce is talking about. As in, he's skeptical, and I think everybody else, a good majority of the people, are going to be skeptical too. Because, wait a minute, you've lied to everybody for the last three years about absolutely everything. You have ruined hundreds of years of human progress in the right direction in a matter of months. And you're now telling us to 
trust you on this. You've lied about climate change. You've lied about the vaccine. You've lied about COVID to get to the vaccine. You've destroyed our food production. You've destroyed our farming. You've destroyed our economies. You've destroyed our money. And now we're going to go down this, quote, utopia, uh, this utopian society that they think they're going to build by augmenting humans. I don't think that's going to play too well to a massive population that distrusts them. Just my opinion. Well, it's kind of a, it's a tough question because you know how easy it is to rebrand anything. Malibu population can rebrand. When iPod, when I pads and iPods came out, the whole Apple, the, the way they did all their ads. I mean, it just seemed like it was green, hip thing to do. And if you didn't have an iPad pod or whatever, you were just not cool. Um, they might start rebranding. And also there's a lot of distrust in the government and corporations. Small companies might screw up too. There's a general confusion going on that they hate the dis, the detrust, the, all of it. People do not know which way to point their emotions, their feelings. So they end up pointing all of that towards themselves. All of this is designed specifically to destabilize the population in a mental kind of a way. You know, there's no end goal to this. This is never going to end. When we talk about, well, you know, what's going to happen, how people are going to react to there's augmentics or what's going to, there will always be the next issue for people to be wasting their time on, to be concerned about, to be fighting, no matter what it is. The absolute fundamental thing that can change this is getting to the kids, getting to the education, letting the truth be seen, be heard, spreading it. If it wasn't for people, you know, like our president, predecessors, people like us, people that are out talking, trying to, you know, convince people that everything is not exactly the way it seems. We're sort of like, you know, we're the ones that are destroying their wheels. Their car, their their vehicle cannot get away from the population with people like us constantly throwing, you know, shooting their tires out. And every time they screw up in a major way, we try to highlight it. And the truth is the only thing that will keep humanity safe. We're talking about general mental health of a whole nation. When we argue whether or not the augmentics, whether or not the pharmaceutical companies, you know, how, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, it's not going to be good. None of it, we can predict that none of it is going to be positive. So in order to avoid that, we have to start just mass producing the truth. There's got to be a thousand, there needs to be a thousand podcasts like this one. There needs to be another Joe Rogan out there. And I honestly think my hope is that that is what's going to happen. When all this tech, when all these available products are discussed online, when, when when they're talked about and they're received in an actual way that's healthy, in an actual way they're intended to be, that's how people that are using them are going to use them. So the only way out of all this distrust, which is going to, it's going to happen. People are not going to trust the government. They're not going to trust companies. It's going to be hard to sell the products. It's going to be just general confusion. And that is their goal. No matter what they're selling, no matter what they're not selling, as long as the population is confused and dumbed down, they're winning. That is as good a place to leave it as any. We always give our guests the uh, the final word. Uh, do you have any uh, Do you have any final thoughts, Pavel? Do you want to talk a little bit about your work? I mean, have you done any work over the weekend uh, since you yeah. uh, since you've last been on? Yeah. Um, so I'm waiting to get you know actual uh, the business licenses to you know to come in to get everything granted. I've created a um, couple more images that I'm finishing up. The idea is to have maybe three or four very um, catchy visual aids to help people navigate just what is the right path of thought in this confusing time. I mean, I'm just trying to visually help people interpret, you know, the logical chain of why this is happening, what, you know, what caused it and where this is leading. And it all can be done with a funk kind of a, you know, sarcastic sort of way. 
So that's where I'm at with that. SupportDonaldTrump.com is still just started out. September 1st, hopefully um, things will pop up. Very good. And you will be joining us as a regular contributor one day a week, will you not? You'll be with us on Tuesday. I will I will be so happy Tuesday. This is like, you know, you guys are amazing. So up. we're happy to have you. Uh, and we're looking forward to uh, having you back next week. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. You know, someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own, we would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce and Pavel, I want to thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. 